Good morning. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we are uh, continuing our sermon series this morning called Into the Wilderness, and we began this a few weeks ago, and we're actually going through parts of the book of Exodus and seeing how God, in very intentional ways, led his people in the midst of uncertainty in the wilderness of their life. And, and we sort of reflect on what they experienced and, and how the word of God speaks to us and our experiences in the wilderness and how God is moving us and shaping us in unexpected ways. And so this morning we're in the book of Exodus and we are looking at how God led his people into the wilderness um, by God. And he led them to the edge of the wilderness. And what we're going to look at is the text here. And we're kind of skipping ahead. If you've been here the last several Sundays, you might be thinking we're going to talk about the plagues now and we're going to be talking about uh, the Passover experience. And, and, and actually we're, we're past that but we're before they crossed the Red Sea. And what I want to do is I want to, to, to read what God's Word says as He's leading, leading them into the wilderness. And I'm in Exodus chapter 13. I'm going to be starting with verse 17. So if you have a Bible app, you can kind of follow along. The words aren't going to be on the screen. So I'm going to be reading from the ESV. And, um, and here's what God's Word says. It says, When the Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, Although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. And so there's some interesting things going on in this text that I, I kind of want to point out. So Pharaoh has finally said to a people that is oppressed and in slavery and being beat and, and sort of worked literally to death, finally you can go get out. And so God is going to lead his people to the promised land, into freedom, but he's going to lead them through the wilderness. And there's really two paths that they can take in Egypt, from Egypt to the promised land. One is by land, because Egypt connects to the land leading to the promised land, and one takes them to the Red Sea. And so you have to imagine, like, as God's people are, are getting ready to leave, and then they see the pillar of fire and smoke, and then they hear Moses and the leadership say, guess what, God's leading us to the water. What? You know, they don't, they don't know, they can't anticipate, they can't see what God is about to do. They don't know that the waters are going to be parted for them. All they know is that God is telling them to go the, the, what seems to be the more difficult way. But he does this for a reason, because God's people hadn't developed enough, or they haven't grown enough to really know and trust and, 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 and be ready for what's to come. It says in the text that he doesn't want to lead them by way of the land because they're going to see the war of the Philistines, and out of fear they're probably going to turn back and go home. And so he's leading them to the wilderness by way of the water, which, which seems like the opposite of what you would want to do. 
It really reminds me, like, this past week here in Austin, like, you know, I get out of town on spring break because there's an event that happens here, South by Southwest, right? Okay? So this is what it's like. It's like God saying, during South by Southwest, you can get out of Austin by way of 35 in the middle of South by Southwest. (laughs) Or you can take 130 and go 80 to 90 miles per hour and just get the heck out of Dodge, right? And you would think, I'll take 80 to 90 miles per hour, God. And God says, no, let's go by way of 35. Because we don't know God's going to park those cars for us. Right? But here's the thing about how God's work works, is you aren't always ready for what is to come until you go through the wilderness. I mean, maybe you need to suffer on 35 to learn patience. I don't know. But you don't know what God is doing in the midst of the uncertainty, in the middle of things that don't make sense. Those moments where you do, you cry out to God, like, why God? Like, why this way? And it's in those moments where things don't make sense that God is shaping you to trust in him and to follow. On August 10th in 1921, Franklin Roosevelt was playing with his kids on a vacation. And what he didn't know on August 10th in 1921 was what, this would be the last day that he could walk. When he went to bed that night, he began to feel um, a tingle in his leg, and he had a fever, and he later learned that he had polio. And he lost the feeling in one leg and started losing the feeling in the other leg. And when this happened to him, he, he really was sort of faced with a choice. Um, does this change everything for him? Does he reorient his whole life because of this disability? Or does he push forward and trust his intuition and and where he's being led and and see what happens? I don't know actually too much about Franklin Roosevelt's personal faith or his faithfulness, uh, but what he experienced illustrates a sort of a wilderness moment in his life where he could choose to kind of keep going or he could give up and give up what he had been working for. And he chose to to keep going. And it really shaped him in profound ways, and it it shaped his leadership in many ways as well. When FDR would show up in public settings, he would never want people to see his weakness, because during this time, a disability was considered something that you, you, it was considered something that you wouldn't want in a leader. It was a sign of weakness, a sign at times of even a lack of intelligence. And so he would, when he would publicly speak, he would always make sure that there was a podium or a rail around him so he could stand up straight as he was delivering his message. At that time, wheelchairs were very large and, and clunky and hard to move around and, and drew a lot of attention. And so in his ingenuity and his stick he decided to design his own uh, wheelchair. And you can kind of barely see it, but essentially it's just like taking your dining room table chair and cutting off the four legs and putting on a couple of wheels. And he did this so it looked like a normal chair. When he was at a table and pictures were taken or video was shot, he could, he could sit at the table and it looked like he was just sitting in a normal chair. And it was lighter and thinner and easier to move around. You know, he kind of 
acknowledged that his life had changed and he decided to figure out a way to walk in this new wilderness that he found himself in. And in the uh, biography written by James Tobin, James Tobin sort of had this insight that I really like about how it shaped him. He said, FDR had the kind of passion for people who are suffering that he couldn't have had if he had not deeply suffered himself. You know, he was about to lead a country through a great depression and through a lot of wilderness and suffering. And had he himself not experienced these moments of suffering, he might not have had as much empathy for those who didn't have things. In one of his speeches, his addresses, FDR said, human kindness has never weakened the stamina or softened the fiber of a free people. He said, a nation does not have to be cruel to be tough. You know, being softer, having empathy or caring for others is not a sign of weakness. Not being able to walk is not a sign of weakness. It's actually not going through the wilderness because the wilderness is what shapes you. In the context of faith, it's what leads us to trust in God and and trust that he is there. If we go back to Exodus 13, when God is leading his people in a way that makes no sense to the water, into the wilderness. You know, God shows up in a pillar of flame by night and a, a pillar of cloud by day, and so they can see where he is and where he is leading them. And as the people follow him, it says at the end of what I read, it says the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. That is, no matter what was going on around them, no matter how confused they might have been, no matter the, uh, the Philistines fighting in the north or Pharaoh and his armies chasing them behind them, God was always present in front of them And all they had to do was look at the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire and trust in him and go. God never left them. He always led them. And you see this happen in many places all over Scripture. Even Jesus himself was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Jesus, after he gets baptized and God says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased, is snatched by the Holy Spirit and brought into the wilderness and he is fasting and hungry and being tempted by Satan to give up what God has called him to for something much, much easier. And it's in that wilderness that Jesus is formed and shaped in a way that his ministry doesn't begin until he has experienced it. After being tempted, after being hungry, then his ministry began. Then we see and read and hear all the amazing things that Jesus does, healing the sick, restoring sight to the blind, raising the dead, defeating death himself. He is fully present. And the Holy Spirit leads us even now as we gather in this place. 
It reminds me of Jesus' words to us. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then what does he say? Good luck with that. He says, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Just like God was always present and leading the Israelites, just like God was present in the Holy Spirit with Jesus, and just like the Holy Spirit is with us now, never leaving us. He goes forward. In John 16, Jesus talks about this work of the Holy Spirit. He says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. That is, the Holy Spirit is going ahead of us, declaring to us the truth and the things that are to come that are revealed to us through his word, through the community of faith, through the life that we experience. When we find ourselves in the wilderness, in the pain, in the suffering, in the confusion, in the uncertainty, we can know certainly that it is God who leads through the Spirit. As we reflect on his word, And as we connect with one another in a community of faith, we know God carries you now. No matter what it is that you experience. We can't always see what's around the corner and we can't always see what's ahead. But all we have to do is what the Israelites did before us, what Jesus did before us, and what we're called to through the Holy Spirit. We just look to Jesus and we hear his words, follow me. We keep our eyes focused on him and we go. And he gets us where we need to go. In Jesus' name, amen.